you manifested that. You certainly did. Yeah. yeah. So now we're going to start the ketamine and that's going to be really, really awesome. For us, it's not really, it's kind of like an Amazon thing, right? We're not looking to make a lot of money from it. We're just looking to get started and understanding our formula, right? For us, it's long-term that matters because psychedelics in five years is going to be common. But by then, new companies are going to try to come in. We already established our- Absolutely. I am excited for this show. It's always fun finding people in the mental health space that are also entrepreneurs doing big things on their own. I had the great conversation to start our relationship with Mark roughly a year ago on a mental health break. I learned all about his personal journey, what led him to start his company, and now I've learned he's expanded. We had to bring him on the show. So Mark, thank you so much for joining that entrepreneur show. Hey man, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. I'm excited to have you. As I mentioned, he has in uh, experience in the mental health space. If that topic does interest you, scroll down the episode description, take a listen to his testimonial on a mental health break. It was very, very impactful and also inspiring at the same time as you'll learn from today on his entrepreneurial journey. Mark, if they missed that first show, introduce us to who you are and then dive into this business that you have. Yeah, sure. So my name is Mark Raspola. Obviously, the, the first show we did on mental health was kind of talking about, you know, the mental health, the struggle that's been going on, kind of the the sad ramp up of mental illness, especially since COVID. And I think it's it's not necessarily that more people are, are experiencing mental illness. I think now people are talking about it. I think it was always there, but it was this stigma it was in the background. So we're able to talk about at the time psychedelics and kind of that stuff that's that's coming that's going to help hopefully change this space and give us more tools to help people. Um, and then obviously that part of the reason why we were chatting was because we're in that space and we're doing that. So obviously we have the outpatient here, which is servicing about 35 clients um, uh, at a time. Uh, we have this outpatient plus a few transitional livings. And then we have two detox residentials that are uh, 12 beds now, um, which have been open about a year and we already expanded. So that's been going really well. So we've been able to kind of recognize that for us, mental illness and substance use are the same things, right? Before they were different. Oh, I'm I'm an addict and I have mental illness. But when you look at the backgrounds, all these people are struggling with mental illness and the substance use is what they're using to help cope, right? I love that. Now, we know you're being humble behind the show. He, he doubled in size. He was at six. Now he's at 12. He doubled the operation. If anybody's listening on today that is looking to expand, whether it's in the same field or not, they're looking to double in size. What are some steps you had to take for your infrastructure to absorb that increase? Yeah, so I'm going to say the biggest thing, the most important thing is to not overthink, right? I think what most people do is they overthink a leap before they take it. And I find that my success as an entrepreneur has come by taking a leap and then adjusting right after the foul. Because if you, if you, if, if you think about every outcome, which is impossible, you sometimes get this crippling fear. And I want to tell you, kind of, I'll give you a little story, right? So we, we get past our first year with the outpatient, things are going good. We go, you know what, let's reinvest our profits into this detox that came up for sale at the time. And it was too expensive. I think they wanted $500,000 for it, which is ludicrous, but it, it hasn't operated yet. They just got a license, right? So we negotiate and we say, okay, look, how about we do 115 and we'll give you guys 10% for 12 months. If that ends up being 500 grand, you get 500 grand. 
Well, you know, that was kind of my sneaky move because I knew that in the next three months, they'd get tired of not getting any money because it, it's going to take us six months to make any real money. And they would come back and say, well, look, just buy us out. What's the number? And that's, that's what ended up happening. At the time we got the detox, we went into an audit with the insurance company. Now, the insurance companies in our space are very difficult, and they won't find any reason to put you into an audit because then that slows down your money. So it was the raw, at the time, it looked like it was the wrong move. Oh, you got pulled into an audit, you're going to be short on money, and you expanded to a detox. The best part about that was that the detox ended up helping this side that was in the odd, the outpatient. Okay. Money that was coming from there floated this. You see? see. So had I not taken the leap, we wouldn't leave this place where it struggled during that audit. So this is why I always tell people being delusional is my seat. If you're a realistic, don't become an entrepreneur. You, you cannot find success because you're believing in something that doesn't exist, right? I have this idea for a billion dollar company. It's not real. And everybody I knew when I started would say, that's not possible. That's not possible. Today, people are saying, oh, dude, I can't wait. I have this vision of you doing this and you doing that. And I told my wife, it's, I told her, you see, now my, my vision is in other people's brains and they're manifesting in form. But in the beginning, it was only in my head and everybody else was like, you're cuckoo. It's not, you're not going to do that. You're not going to be able to be successful, blah, 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 right? Including, by the way, including the people that love you. And it's no rag on that. My wife was one of those people. She's realistic, right? And she's scared. There's no security with entrepreneurship. But I would say, look, be delusional. Be delusional enough to believe in yourself, to follow a passion that you love, and start something. I mean, even if it's tiny, even if you fail. I mean, I failed multiple times with so many things. And it's just like, okay, well, every, every failure plants a seed for something in the future. Now, it's a seed because you don't see it. But when you look back, a little tree sprouted and all the knowledge you're getting applies to your current business. You go, oh shit, I understand that. You get what I'm saying? The power of lessons learned is incredible. Embracing all of that. Thank you so much for that that incredible advice. I can't wait to see um, how big it gets now. Are we focusing on expanding what you have in place or is there something else you're working on right now? So the goal for us is to expand and I imagine my company with three arms, right? One arm is in the private sector with private insurance. One arm is in the state sector with state-run funding. And then one arm is in psychedelics. Okay. So this, this way, for me, I'm covering kind of all the bases. The state-run facilities are run very, very poorly. After I create a large enough uh, base of my private then I have the leverage to go to governments and say, look, here's what I've already created. I have 10 cents, 20 centers operating well. Let's negotiate fair numbers and let me run state-run facilities better than you're running that. Because right now they're, they're flops, right? They're, they don't have enough funding. The people who own them want to make as much money as possible. So they're absorbing a lot of the funding. Right. That makes sense. Selfishly. People are not getting help, right? So, and then of course, the psychedelic arm is a, is a passion of mine. And we're starting actually now that we just got all our approvals. We're starting ketamine. So in the next week, we'll be taking our first ketamine patients. So since we talked, I put my money where my mouth is. It took me a year, but we started with- You did it. Yeah. You're ta- you manifested that. You certainly did. Yeah. yeah. So now we're going to start the ketamine and that's going to be really, really awesome. 
for us, it's not really, it's kind of like an Amazon thing, right? We're not looking to make a lot of money from it. We're just looking to get started and understanding our formula, right? For us, it's long-term that matters because psychedelics in five years is going to be common. But by then, new companies are going to try to come in. We already established our- Absolutely. Established. So if you started three years ago, you fucked up. Excuse my language. You started too soon. Nobody's ready to adopt the sting, right? And that's why you look at, I think it's Field Trip, which was one of the largest ones. We just went to look at their office space for potentially taking it over because they closed. And they buried something like $600 million. They were too soon to market. The world wasn't ready yet. Right. But in five years from now, the world will be ready. And I mean, today is becoming more popular. MDMA and psilocybin are going to take time. But in the next three years, we'll see they, those will become more popular. By then, we'll establish our protocols and we'll be ready to roll out officially and help people. I love the big vision you have. I love that the first time we spoke and I can't wait to see you being a pioneer in these fields. That's great advice right there. Getting in at the right time or even earlier. Uh, great example of that. What states are you licensed in? I know you mentioned you have a few facilities for our listeners right now. Where can they be served? So see now California is where we're at. Okay. We have not planted roots in other states yet. Other states have laws that don't allow for, I'll give you an example. So if you Please. do center in, in, let's say right now in Nevada, the insurance company has a policy where they send the payment to the patient. Now imagine this. I want you to think about this. You're a heroin dealer, right? You just received a check in the mail in your name for $30,000. Now you're supposed to sign that over to the facility. You're a heroin dealer. You just got 30K. You're throwing a party, right? Big party, big party. So this is the issue that's slowing us down in some states. We're waiting for legislation to catch up in California. And I think in Florida and Nevada's got it on the ballot now, but the idea here is that if you have a substance use diagnosis, the check doesn't go to you. It goes to the center. Imagine that. Ironically, for mental health, the check still could go to the patient, which is... which is It defeats the purpose. But see, this is the insurance company's plan. Their plan is to slow you down as much as possible. Contrary to what people believe, they do not want centers like us around. They do not want to pay for clients... Because they go, hey, these clients are going in and out of incentives, in and out of incentives. And it's like, you guys are covering a short stint and you want 10 years of trauma to be fixed in two months. And then you're surprised when they're relapsing. I mean, it's it's fucking impossible. Even relapsing where you give someone $30,000 and they clearly haven't been able to prove a stable financial matter. Uh, there's a lot of broken parts in the systems that are outdated. And not just this area, in, in every area we're seeing it. Especially after COVID, the world just changed and progressed so much further. Are you able to serve virtual patients? I wanted to ask that. So we cannot, technically the way that therapy works, if you serve virtually in another state, your therapist has to be licensed in that state. Okay. What we found with virtual, humans don't succeed with virtual. Now, if you're a soccer mom and you need to have some therapy once in a while and it's mild stuff, a little little anxiety, sure, no problem. But we're talking real, real serious depression, real anxiety, real, very serious uh, substance use issues. Isolation is no good. Mm. Half of the healing that happens in the center happens between the therapy sessions and the group sessions because they're interacting with me, with other people. Hey, what's going on? How's your day? How's it been going? There's accountability. We're building a family. 
and family can help heal things. If you're isolated in your home, you're on virtual. Well, that's, I mean, listen, I got three kids and a wife and they leave the house as much as I love peace. It's too awkwardly quiet and I'm not used to it. And I almost feel like I'm going to lose money. So if you are already alone and, and you're struggling, I mean, it's dangerous. So we don't believe in a virtual model. And I don't think that the world, I mean, people are trying it hard and aggressive, but I don't, I don't think it's going to work in our space effectively because it's how do you make someone feel supported when they just get on the screen once uh, a day? I, it, it makes no sense. I, I could see you in like legislation as a politician or something leading the way for these causes right now. You're very uh, firm in your words and I, I really appreciate you bringing that passion to the show. You've explained your so much today. Again, it's great to see your success as I've known you now, your growth. Everyone out there, head to this website. Where can we find you online? Whether it's LinkedIn, website, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, so when you can go to our website, uh, tuluahealth.com or purposesrecovery.com. And you'll see, you know, I'm on there. You can reach out. And then I'm on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll send you the link for, for LinkedIn. I'm not really heavy on social media. Uh, it's not something I, 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 for me, it just is a distraction that I don't need in my life. My focus on my business, my family, my passion, it takes enough time for me. Um, but of course, my emails, my email is out there. It's mark at toluahealth.com. I don't mind if people want to email me directly to have any questions, any kind of encouragement, they can reach out. Um, and I just encourage people to, our entrepreneurship is amazing and I love it. And I want to encourage more people, but I think you should know who you are first before you dive in because not everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur. That's okay. Mm-hmm. On top of that, I want to kind of, if I can, just take a minute to, you know, there's some things in entrepreneurship that really tumbled me in the beginning. They tripped me up. One was that I need to wear all these hats. And then I'm there for a long time. Yeah. I suck at some of these hats. Oh, yeah. And then I feel inadequate because I'm like, well, am I really a good entrepreneur if I can't wear seven ads? And then I realized, like, wait a minute. I mean, if I can hire people to do that shit, shouldn't I do that? And then I surrendered that. And oh, my God, it made me feel better. I also surrendered this idea that I, if I don't wake up at 4 a.m. every morning, I'm somehow not going to be successful. I mean, I wake up at 730, right? That's, that's what part of the beauty of running a business is I didn't have to be anywhere at any time. Right now, maybe if I had a business that involved China, sure, I might wake up at 3 a.m. But this idea that if you're not waking up at 4 a.m., grinding every day, every minute, it's like you're kind of working. I mean, I can't imagine a business has that much to do every day, every minute. I feel like you're just going to work yourself to the bone. I understood why Copen woke up at 4 a.m. His business involved his physical practice. So for him to have three practice sessions a day made him the best. Well, what the hell is a CEO of a company doing at 4 a.m.? other than just checking his emails to make sure the company's not burning. But when you find those people have this mentality, you need to be up at 4 a.m. you're going to fail. You need to wear 10 hats and you're going to fail. That's not true. Everybody's journey is different. And part of why I want to be an entrepreneur so I can have more of my personal time to myself, as opposed to being a slave to a, to a business, uh, to a person, to whatever, right? And don't be discouraged. You can't do some of those things that, you know, all these gurus say you need to do to be successful. The, the most important thing is seeing it here. Everything in the world exists because it was seen in the mind first. You see it in your mind, you can create it in the real world. So start there and then everything else finds its way. Thank you for ending with that. It's a big reminder. Everyone is different. What works for some doesn't work for everyone. Don't be discouraged. If mornings aren't your thing, leverage the evenings. You might be a night yeah. person. There's not one set formula. For me, I'm a grandpa. I'm not a night person. I'm, I'm, I'm tapped out at night, but I leverage my strengths. 
I exercise when I can and I get my day. He just gave great advice there. Be yourself. Work what works for best for you. Find your passion and your expertise is what the first step of entrepreneurship is. A lot of people think a business idea is great. They'll do it. Is there a need for it? A, and do you care about it enough to to be told no a thousand times and then still go for a thousand and one? Incredible episode, Mark. I'm glad we got to reconnect. Congratulations again on the growth. And with that, be sure to check him out online. We are at The Entrepreneur Show on all social media. Head to at Vincent Day Lancey on YouTube. Throw subscribe there and check out some video clips from today's show. He crushed it and we will check in with him again next year. Mark, thanks so much again. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you.